Let's pray. God, thank you so, so much. God, Lord, I do thank you for being so incredibly good. God, Lord, I, Lord, I thank you for each and every day. God, I, Lord, I thank you back for Sunday, just your presence in this place and the way you moved among your people, God, your, your sweet Holy Spirit in here and the way, the way people moved and saw the altar, God, and, and people getting help. And, Lord, people just worshiping you, God. What an awesome morning it was just to be in your presence here in your house, God. And, Lord, carry it over into all of Monday and then two prayer meetings yesterday, God, just to feel your presence, God, and to come in here tonight, Father, and just get to sing a couple of old hymns and just gather as your children, Father, and look at your word and, and learn things about you, God. I just want to tell you thank you, Father, for being so incredibly good, Lord. I ask you, would you meet with us tonight? I pray you'd open your word. Would you make it real to us, God? I pray that you'd make it not just the scriptures, not just the word of God, but make it applicable to our lives, God. Help us to see, Father, how it could help us in each and every day, God, to live a life pleasing to you. I pray above of all, may you be pleased in all we do. We love you, Lord. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Verse number 11, chapter 22, where we left off last week, that when no man could, that, that when I could not see for the glory of that light being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came to Damascus. That's the Apostle Paul talking. He has seen Jesus on the road to Damascus. He has been blinded by the light, blinded by what it was that, that he saw, and he's been given one instruction, go to Damascus and wait. But that's hard for anybody to just go sit down and wait. But it's really hard for a type A personality like the Apostle Paul, a go-get-it kind of man who's there. All of a sudden, he's blind. He can't see. And he's got one command. Go to Damascus. Sit down. Be still till I send somebody there. So in spite of all the amazing things that God does in the Apostle Paul's life, we just talked about it. He gave them to him one thing at a time. One step at a time, and that, that is our goal in life. A lot of times, we're so busy looking ahead to the next thing, we ain't got time to finish where we are. Well, let me say, I don't say we, because I don't know if y'all are in my little world. But sometimes I'm having trouble finishing where I am because I'm already looking ahead. I'm already looking down the road to, to some next things. And so, so verse number 12, Paul continues telling this story about what happened. And he brings Ananias into the conversation. Now, remember, he's talking to the Jews here uh, in Jerusalem. And they've gathered. They've tried to kill him. He's been taken away from the mob that was trying to kill him by the Roman soldiers. The captain's got him. They've, they've carried him up. And, he, and he's asked to speak. And now Paul is offering his defense to this, this Jewish mob that's trying to kill him because Paul is still hoping to reach his Jewish brethren. Make no mistakes. He's not up there for his defense. He could care less about his defense. He's not up there trying to get off the hook. He's not up there trying to get them to not be mad at him. He's up there to tell them about Jesus, period. All that matters to him, that is his Jewish brethren, and, and they are lost. They're still living in the Old Testament law. They're still hung up in Judaism, and he's trying to tell them about Christ. So he's trying to do as best as he can here to, to lead them to the Lord. But being led by the Holy Spirit, he doesn't, you remember we talked about it last week. His conversation here is clearly and obviously led by the Holy Spirit. Everything about how he speaks and going through this, his words are being guided by the Holy Spirit. But because because Paul doesn't bring Ananias in as a Christian, although he is. He's a great Christian. He's an incredible man of God. But that's not how Paul brings him in to this Jewish mob. He brings him in as a Jew. And not just any Jew, but a devout Jew. He brings him in as a man of the law. He says in verse 12, a devout man according to the law. He doesn't say a devout man according to Christ. 
He doesn't say devout man according to the church. He doesn't say a devout Christian, although he's all of those things. He says that he's a devout man according to the law. So to the Jews down there, he's still talking about the law of God. He's still talking about the Old Testament. He's still talking about that Levitical law that you and I spent a few weeks reading about that, that led over a few weeks back that is there. But, but he, he, he's talking to them about, he's, he's a keeper of the law. And it says that having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there. So he's trying to build Ananias up to the Jews. He's trying to help establish them. This man, Ananias, he's a Jew that all you guys would like and respect if they don't have to know him. But now he's talking to the same Jerusalem that crucified Jesus Christ. He's talking to the same Jerusalem that stoned Stephen, and, and he was a part of it. The same Jerusalem that Jesus talked about, thou that stoneth the prophets. They stoned the prophets before Jesus ever got there. This is the same Jerusalem that was trying to beat Paul to death before the soldiers got him and brought him in. They're not interested in hearing about a Christian. They're not interested right here in anything about Christ. They're, they're caught up in their Judaism. They're caught up in the law. They don't want to hear about Christians. So, so they brought Paul in, and, and he is introducing this man as, as a, a keeper of the law. He, he is a Jew. He's well-respected by all the Jews. And, and it says that he, he's above reproach. Verse, 20, or verse 13 says, Came unto me and stood, and he said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight, and the same hour... I looked upon him. Now think about where Paul is at right here. When he's telling the story, the last thing he saw was the face of Jesus. The next thing he saw was the face of Ananias. The last thing he saw was the face of the master, the head of the body. The next thing he saw was the face of a servant, a member of the body, just, just like you and I. Now, verse 14 and 15, Ananias gives us a, a glimpse of what Paul's future is going to be. And not, not just step by step, but he says that the God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will and see that just one and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. Now, now that's, that's important. That's important. This is, this is Paul's job. This is what he said. This is what your job's going to be. You're going to be a witness of the things you've seen and of the things you've heard. See, Paul's not, Paul's not an attorney right here. He, he's not called to be a, a, an attorney. His job's not to prove anything. Amen. The attorney's job is to either try to prove guilt or innocence. He has something to prove. That's not the job of a witness. Paul's not trying to prove Christ. Paul is a witness to tell a story about this is who I was. This is what happened. This is who I am. Paul is simply a witness. That, that's what you and I are. We're not attorneys. It's not our job to prove anything. It's not our job to prove the Bible. The Bible proves itself. It's not our job to prove God. The word of God proves God. It's not our job to prove anything. Our job is to simply tell a story. We're not attorneys. We're not judges. We're witnesses. This is the things I've seen. This is the things that, that I've heard. Paul says, I'm on my way to Damascus. I had some letters from the Sanhedrin. When, when, I, when I was headed there, I, I was on my way to get rid of people like Ananias. I, I mean, he's one of my main subjects. I, I'm going there to take this cat out. I'm going to arrest him. If he don't be arrested, I'm going to kill him. Don't make no difference to me. But, but I'm on my way there to get rid of him. And all of a sudden, 
Jesus shows up in my life. And somebody tell me you had a Damascus Road experience. Somebody tell me you're just going along minding your own business. You're just living in your own stuff, doing your own thing. And all of a sudden, Jesus got in your way. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I, I didn't go to church that Sunday morning to meet Jesus. I went there to get her off my back so she stopped trying to get me to go to church. See, God, God can use some pretty little girls to, to get to some knothead boys. I, I had no intentions of, of running into Jesus, but Jesus had every intention of running into me, right? We're just like Paul. We got a story to tell him. On my way to Damascus, I had a job to do. I, I was adamant about my business. I'm going to do what I want to do. And all of a sudden, I, I met this man, Jesus. Well, he goes on telling a story. And, and talking about Ananias, and when, when he gets to, to verse number 16, he, he's about to lose some of them. You know, you can only coach people for so long. You, you can only sugarcoat the message for so long. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you're trying to witness to somebody, you're trying to soft blow it a little bit. I mean, you can only dance around the truth, the absolute fact for so long. Sooner or later, you got to get to the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus. Sooner or later, you got to get to the difference, the dividing line between heaven and hell. Sooner or later, you, you can talk all you want to about the people and the stuff and the story, but sooner or later, you've got to get to the main thing. In verse number 16, Ananias told me, he said, Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now, see, that's a big deal here talking to these Jews because to be baptized in the name of Jesus then is the same thing as to be baptized in the name of Jesus now. It is a public profession of faith. It is telling all of the world, I am identified with Jesus Christ. I am identified as a member of the family of God. I am identified as a child of the King. I have been washed in the blood. I, I am a Christian now. What that meant to Paul was, was to disassociate himself from, from all of the Jewish law. What that meant to be baptized in the family of God was to, to disassociate himself from the Jews, the, the very ones he's talking to, from their traditionalism, from their legalism. He has he disassociated himself from, from all of those who have never trusted Christ. He has he disassociated himself from, from the crime, the greatest crime that has ever been committed was when Jesus was crucified. Paul said, I'm now a member of the family. I am disassociated from all of that. That's what he puts there in verse 16. I, I have been baptized. See, the apostle Paul, he's trying to spend so much time to make sure that they understand, understand this man, Ananias. He's well-respected of the Jews. You got that part, didn't you? You got that part. He's, he's well-respected of the law. We'll make sure to this mob that they get it. You, you understand who he is. So, so we know we know that, the, that it, Paul, Paul spent this time here, and we know from the story of Saul that when he left there, after this with Ananias, we know that he went to Arabia for a while. We know that he spent time there getting closer to the Lord. We know that he left there, that he went to Damascus, and he was preaching at Damascus, and they tried to kill him. He escaped to Damascus and went to Jerusalem. We know all that, but Paul doesn't know all that part. He skips right ahead. Verse number 17, he picks up back at Jerusalem. He said, it came to pass that when I was come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance. See how quick the Holy Spirit rebounded that? You, you, you see how the Holy Spirit put that in? He spent his time building up to Ananias and how, hey, he's a man of the Jews. Now he said, suddenly he says, but 
But this, this, this devout Jew, this man of the law, he baptized me out of all your stuff. He baptized me. I was baptized into the family of God. But, but before you have time to get mad, there's probably some people getting ready to shout away with him right about now. Before that time, he says, but, but now I'm back in Jerusalem. And I'm not just in Jerusalem. I was in the temple. That got their attention. I was praying. That got their attention. And I was in a trance. That got their attention. That, mean, that means that, that God has said something to them. When it comes to pass, I'll come to Jerusalem. Even while in the, I prayed in the temple, I, I was in a, a trance. So you see the Holy Spirit carefully designing this story and, and carefully walk, walking through it. So, so they hold their peace. If he's in the temple, I mean, if he's praying and he's in a trance, then God's about to tell him something, right? I mean, that's got to be their thought, man. He's in this trance, and he, so, so God's about to speak up. They, they hold their peace, but here's what they're not ready for. They're not ready for the fact that while he was in supposedly their temple talking to their God, it was the one they crucified that talked to him in that temple. See, that's what they weren't ready for. I was in the temple, the one that, that you call your temple, where you worship God, that you call your God, that don't belong to anybody else, your God. And, and I was in there praying, but the one that you crucified, the one that I was baptized into the family, that same Jesus, he's the one that came in and he said, make haste and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. Boy, I wonder how that one went over. I mean, my goal is always the same. Anything, if I'm, if I'm studying the Word of God, I, I, don't, just, I don't just read there. I, I want to know how does it apply to my life. I'll be honest with you. I ain't, the only thing I found about all that bulls and rams and lambs and all that stuff, reading through that again, was thank God I don't have to do that. Thank God it's been done. Thank God Jesus was a once and done, once and for all. The price is paid. The debt is settled. My name is written, and I don't have to do all that. But anytime I, I'm reading, I, all, I, all I want to know is, God, how does that apply to me? What, what are you teaching me? And it's the same if I'm teaching. I, I just want to know how are, are things applicable to our lives. The same thing is true with us that is true right here with the Apostle Paul. Just because you tell them the absolute 100% truth doesn't mean they're going to hear it. Anybody with me? Paul is telling them the straight up facts. I mean, he's giving them the straight law. He's the witness. He's doing everything he's supposed to do. Paul knows these people. He knows exactly who it is that, that he's talking to. You, know, you, you and I, we, we witness people. Anybody you ever witness people? I mean, you know them very well. You may have grown up and known them a long time. Maybe you worked with them a long time, but you know them. You know who they are. You know their personality. you got a pretty good idea of their salvation, lack of salvation story. And, and, and you're witnessing. You're, you're telling them everything they can. And even when you're talking to them, you know that unless there's some supernatural movement of the Holy Spirit of God, you're not fixing to lead them to the Lord. But you just keep on telling them. You just keep telling them anyway because you understand the penalty of sin. You, you understand the price that has to be paid for sin. And if you don't accept the free price that was paid, you're going to pay for it. And, and you don't want them to go to hell. So you do everything you can because you just want to see them saved. That's where Paul's at. 
He understands without a supernatural moving of the Holy Spirit. These people are on their way to hell, but he's doing everything he can just to tell them the truth. He knows exactly who he's talking to. He knows exactly how much they hate the Gentiles. He knows exactly how much they hate Christianity. He knows exactly how much they hated Christ. I mean, he, he was one of them. He, he, he was one of, one of the ones that was there. He's part of the crowd that stoned Stephen, so he knows who he's talking to. He knows the pride of their heritage and all their, their law and all they bring in. And he knows that right here in this part of his message, this is a crucial part of the message, right? When we talk to people, when we talk about life, you, you, life talking, you can sugarcoat, you can put things all you want, but sooner or later, the main thing's got to become the main thing. And when you do, lines are going to be drawn. So, so Paul's about to put a line in the sand right here. And this is going to go one way or the other. Can, can I just tell you, you can't take someone to the foot of the cross and it not change them. It may not change them for the good, but you will not take them to the foot of the cross, offer them the free gift of God, and then reject God and walk away from it and not be changed. You can't tell somebody the truth and them physically reject it and them not be altered by that. So there's about to be a line in the sand right here. The Apostle Paul's telling the story and, and people are, are about to be changed. Paul tries to tell them, it's in the temple. I received a vision, verse 18. It says, I saw him saying to me, make haste, get thee quickly out of Jerusalem for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. And I said, Anybody else, when God tells you something, you say? Anybody ever? I, I mean, it's like, <laughs> did any of you have any stories about where you were talking to God? You say, and I told God. Man, if you don't, I need to get down and you need to come preach. I mean, you're talking and God tells you something and I told God, you know, there's always, but I don't want to do it that way. There's always, a, but can't we do it this way? But, but couldn't we have done it like that? You know, that, that there's always so. He said, I told God, Lord, they know that I am imprisoned and beat in every synagogue, them that believed on thee. So Paul is in a, indirectly, he's reminding them, I, I was one of you. And when the blood of, of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by and consenting unto his death, kept the raiment of them that slew him. Paul's telling him, you know, he's telling him at that time, back at that time, he said, you, you, know, you know who I am. At that time, I was telling Jesus when he was sending me out, they know who I am. They know that I went systematically from synagogue to synagogue to synagogue, pulling out those who were in the name of Christ. They know exactly what I was doing. They know that I am responsible for the stoning of Stephen, your servant, your child, your faithful one, your martyr. I'm responsible for that. So, so I, I'm telling God, they, they know all about that. Paul's doing everything he can to connect this people, to connect with this mob, to remind them so, so, so that they understand. You know who I was. Y'all with me? You know who I was. And you see who I am. You have to understand that something supernatural happened in my life. You knew that. You knew about the letters. You knew what I was doing. You know about Stephen. You know who I am. You have to know that something had to have happened in my life. It's the same thing when we run up on old friends or anybody we knew in, in times past. And, and you try witnessing. You may not lead them to the Lord. They may not believe you. 
They may not believe about your God. They may not believe your witness. They may not accept Christ. They may not take anything you've got to tell them. But one thing when they walk away from you that they cannot deny, that ain't the same guy I knew. They may not can explain why, and they may not believe your testimony as to why. But they cannot deny the fact that I am not that guy. There is no resemblance, praise God, of that guy in me. Anybody say amen. We are not what we used to be. We need construction signs hanging right about here. We are under construction. We're not what we used to be, but we're not what we're going to be. Amen. So, so, so the apostle Paul, he, he's trying to, to connect with them. I, I was one of the ones that martyred Stephen. I'm on my way to Damascus to persecute Christians. And Ananias, this very well-respected Jew, he comes up and he baptized me into the family. And I, I came back to Jerusalem. And here I was right here in the synagogue. And Jesus spoke and, and told me the, 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 what I was to do and to leave Jerusalem. And, and, but I, I tried to tell him that, that I'm one of them. But Paul, Paul Paul's, about to, Paul's about to pull the line in the sand right here. Paul, Paul's given the, the, the final, final dagger. Leave Jerusalem. Get out of this city. That's one thing. Depart, for I will send thee far hence. Boy, that's one thing. The Jews might could have swallowed all that. Get out of Jerusalem. They might could have swallowed that. They might have thought, good riddance, we don't want you around here anyway. They could have swallowed a lot except for the end of verse 21. Unto the Gentiles. See, Paul's had their attention up to now. Paul put his hand up and he beckoned and he silenced the crowd. And, and he's been talking. He, he, he's pleaded his case. He had a listening ear on, on their behalf. And he's speaking. But just like Jesus in Jerusalem, he couldn't reach them. He told them everything he knew to tell them, but he, but he couldn't reach them. So in verse 22, that they broke their silence and they returned back to that angry mob that the guards had pulled him out of. And said so they gave audience his word and lifted up their voices and said, away with such a fellow. Remember, we talked about that, that last week. Away with him. They said, away with him about Jesus. That means take him and kill him. It is to crucify. Away with him. It's very strong, very powerful words in this language. They said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. As soon as Paul mentioned the hated Gentiles, they're done with him. As soon as Paul mentioned that Christ sent him to preach to the Gentiles, I mean, any man who would stand in their presence and talk about their temple and, and then go and try to teach the Gentiles, that man's not fit to live. So, so the mob gets back up to tell them that they're the crowd that crucified Jesus. That's one thing. They might have a little sting to it, but that's one thing. To, to tell them you're the ones that committed the greatest crime in the century of mankind. You, you murdered, although he gave his life. You're still responsible for, for crucifying the Son of God, the Messiah, the promised one. All of your law and prophets points to a fact, and you rejected the fact. And, and you're the ones that's guilty. That's another thing. But to take and turn and say, I'm taking the word of God to the Gentiles, that is the unpardonable sin. To the Jewish law. So to them. Paul. Has become the traitor of traitors. There are few people. Hated more than a traitor. Hello. There are few people. Hated more. 
than a traitor. And to them, Paul was one of them. But he traded them off. And, and he went with these ones that, that they're trying to get rid of. Well, I was having a good time, but I have no idea where I was at. Anybody know what verse what I was on? Back to the Gentiles. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm back to the soldiers. That's where, that's where I'm at. We, we got to get back to the, the Roman garrison. I, I got just a few more minutes. So, so when, when they all begin to uproar and they're away with this man, they, they want to kill him. <coughs> the, the Roman army, the Roman soldiers, they, they come back in again. They, they've got to come in and, and, and get Paul. Remember, they rescued Paul from the mob earlier. They didn't rescue him because they liked him. They didn't rescue him because they felt sorry for him. They didn't rescue him because they respected him. They rescued him because the man was about to be beat to death and he hadn't been on a trial. And it was creating a riot in the streets. And a riot is against Roman law. So the, the captain of the army can't allow a riot in the streets. So he comes in and takes Paul out, which is obviously what the riot is all about. So they didn't, they didn't rescue him from the mob because they liked him. If you remember, we looked at the, the captain of the guard thought, that's that Greek fellow. That's the one that called all the problem. That's the one that had 4,000 men following him. We had to bring a, a Roman army in here and get rid of him. They thought that was the guy, but, but he was impressed by Paul's ability to speak Greek. He was impressed by Paul's kind and mild misdemeanor, his kindness and politeness. So, so Paul asked him to speak. And I mean, what does the captain of the army have to lose, right? Now, there's a riot going on in the street, and if he don't get it solved, he's going to be held accountable by his superiors, and he can be killed for that kind of stuff. So if Paul wants to speak, I mean, if he can calm them down, I mean, what's he got to lose? Might well try it. I mean, he tried talking to him. He didn't get anywhere with that. So, so he lets Paul speak. And Paul beckons with his hand, and everything seems to be good. Everything's quiet. If there's a disadvantage here for the Romans is that when Paul goes back to addressing the crowd, he goes back to speaking Hebrew, and they don't know Hebrew. So he's back to speaking Hebrew, and they don't know what he's saying, but it must be pretty good. Because he's beckoning and talking, and he's telling all this story, and he's going on and on, and they're all listening. So what he's, whatever he's saying, it, it must be working out. Until now. Whatever he said just then, I don't know what it was, but he should not have said that. I mean, in the Romans' mind, whatever they were beating him up for out there, he just said it. He done did it again. Whatever it was he had them so upset about, he done gone back to it again. He had them calm down, but, what, but whatever it was. So now the Romans snatched Paul out, and now it's the Romans beating Paul. Now it's the Romans roughing him up and, and tying his hands together. And, and the, the captain knows he's not going to get anywhere with that mob. He's already tried that. He ain't going to get no truth out of them. And, and he doubts very seriously he's going to get any truth out of Paul because he don't know who Paul is. He don't trust Paul as far as he can throw him. So he's not expecting he's going to get any truth out of Paul. So he has a solution. I'll beat the truth out of him. I'll find out what's going on around here. Besides, it'll appease all these people when I beat the starch out of him because that's what they were doing anyway. So when I beat him, it's going to calm down all this crowd. So, so it says that, that they order him to be scourged. That, that's a big deal. That, that, that's a big deal. Paul's been beat before, right? We've been studying through his life. He, he's been beat. He's been stoned and left for dead. He's been beaten by rods of the Jews. Paul, Paul, Paul has been beaten. But, but a Roman scourging, that, that's something different. That that. That's not, just, that's not just a beating. 
We can't even begin to depict what Jesus paid. We can't even begin to depict. Andrew does the best he can. They pull him up over here and, and they beat him. And, and that's got to really hurt, don't it? I thank you. I, I mean, we're, we're trying to pretend, but there ain't no way somebody hit you that hard with that thing that don't hurt. So they bring him over here and, and they put him on the post and we hit him a few times over here. And, and we're trying to depict, but you got to understand that's not a true depiction of a scourging. A scourging, they bind their hands and they stretch them onto a peg as high as they can stretch them because they want the body. Matter of fact, sometimes they'll even get their feet just off of the ground. They want that body fully stretched, fully exposed, muscles fully extended. And then they take that, what they call the cat of nine tails. They take that piece of leather. It's got that iron handle with the leather to it. And it's got those long leather leads on it. And in those leather leads, they put pieces of pointed iron and bone through those leads. And they put pieces of lead in the end to make it heavy. And when that big old Roman guard comes back and gets to stop, when he slaps in, that metal sinks into the skin. That ain't just a whip. That ain't like your mama tearing up your backside with a belt bouncing off your britches. That stuff is sinking into a bare back. And when it sinks into the meat and he snatches it back, it rips chunks of meat out so that bones are showing. Do you understand what a scourging is? Paul's been beat, but he ain't been scourged. Jesus, Jesus has got a plan for the apostle Paul, but dying as a martyr at the hands of the Roman army right here ain't one of them. So God's always got a plan. Paul's not afraid of suffering. Make, make no mistakes. He, he's proven that time and time again. He's not afraid, afraid of going where God says go. He's not afraid of suffering. Matter of fact, the very fact that he came back to Jerusalem, he's warned multiple times. You're going to be bound and you're going to be beaten. He's warned multiple times. If you go back, the Holy Spirit himself told him that. Go back to Jerusalem, you're going to be bound. And everybody that he talked to on the way said, don't go back. You're going to be bound. He shows he's not afraid of being beaten. He, he, he's not afraid of, of suffering. But there is no virtue in suffering just for the sake of suffering. Anybody hear me? You, we can suffer as Christians. And, and, and God can allow that. And it's not bad to suffer if that's what God takes us to and that's what it is. But you don't have to suffer just to suffer. It's okay to seek protection where protection is available. It's okay to seek protection within the law. If the law is put there to offer protection. It, it says in verse 22, they gave audience to his word and lifted up their voices and away with this man, such a fellow from, from the earth, for it's not fit that he should live. And they cried out and cast off their clothes and threw dust into the air. The chief captain commanded them to be brought unto, into the castle and bade that he should be examined by scourging that he might know wherefore they cried so against him. He wanted to beat the truth out of them. He wanted to find out why do they hate you? What, what is it that you've done? And he should be examining. And as they bound him with thongs, that's on his hand. And Paul said to the centurion that stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? Wait, what? What did what, what, you say, boy? I mean, I'm sorry, sir. What did you say? What, what did he say? He said he's a Roman. Did you say he's a Roman? See, it's against the law. It's against the law to bind a Roman citizen without a cause. It's against the law punishable. It is against the law to beat a Roman citizen who has not been condemned in a fair trial punishable by death. And the captain just did it. 
Y'all understand what's going on here? When, when Paul said, is it okay to beat a Roman uncondemned? Anybody ever had one of them moments where every hair on your body stood up when something scared you? Tingling, you nearly pass out. The captain of the guard right here, his knees is weak. I, I think I'm going to throw up. What did he, what'd he say? You, wait, you, you, you're, you're what? You, you, you say you're a Roman? And, and he's looking at this rag mess of a man. There's nothing that the Jews were beating up. I mean, these, these nothing little scumbag Jews is the way he looks at them. They're beating him up. He's nothing. This little rag doll. How, how could he be? Because what we're going to find out, and we're going to have to find out next week because i got three minutes left, is that this, this Roman captain, he bought his citizenship. When it was made available that you could buy citizenship for a great cost of money by the emperor, he bought his citizenship. We're going to find that. We're going to have to look ahead to chapter 23, but we'll find that in his signature. He bought his. The apostle Paul says, yeah, I ain't bought nothing, Jack. I was born a Roman citizen. My daddy, my father had Roman citizenship. So not only... Not only is Paul a Roman, but he's twice the Roman of the captain of the guard that's about to beat him. Isn't it amazing how fast God can take a shoe off one foot and put it on another one? Isn't it amazing how fast God can change things? And what we'll see, the apostle Paul didn't take advantage of that. Oh, he could have. He clearly ain't nothing like me because I'd have been dancing on the graves. You beat me up and you did what? Well, that's why Paul, that's why God stood for him so good, I guess. Well, we're going to have to pick up there next week. But here's a good thought to leave on. Never forget how quickly and how easily God can change your circumstances. No matter what it looks like. No matter what you're facing, no, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the doctor said, no matter nothing. Never forget how quickly and how easily God can change your circumstances. God, thank you so much that the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob is the God of Paul. And he is the God of everybody sitting in this room right now. He's the same God that delivered Paul right here. He's the same God that, that sent fire down from heaven and devoured the enemy. He's the same God that, that's, that the Lord Jesus came down and shed his blood because of your great love for where you loved us, God. Thank you, Father, so much, God. Thank you for this book. Thank you for what it teaches, God. Thank you for the way that it helps us, God, to see you in everything, God, and, and to guide our lives, Lord, to help us to try to be more in the image of Christ. Father, I just want to tell you thank you. I just want to tell you that we love you, God. I pray for every soul sitting in this place, God, every family represented, God. Will you pour your spirit out on every family? God, I pray you'd open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings. There'd be not room enough to receive it. God, I pray you'd touch each one in this place. May we be witnesses to your kingdom, God. May we be witnesses and tell the story, God. Regardless of their answer, regardless of their remarks, may we tell the story because you have been good to us. Thank you so much, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.